Hello, Syngap Land. My name is Michael Gralia. This is episode 52 of Syngap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing on everything you need to know about Syngap 1. Now, I think I've skipped about two weeks in the past year, which means we're a little bit past the year point, but this is my 52nd episode. We've been doing this for a year. That's incredible. Um, so I'm really excited today. It's Monday morning, and I was just watching the last episode to see what I said last time, and because believe it or not, I have no idea. And um, I'm reminded that I did this on a Monday last week, too, and I'm wondering why I've slipped from Fridays to Mondays. There's two theories. Because I used to be so excited about by Friday lunch, I just had to tell you guys what was going on. And now, by Friday afternoon, I'm like, <gasps> I'm so tired. So one of two things is happening. Thing number one, I'm just getting old and tired and my brain hurts. Possible. Thing number two, there's just so much going on right now that I, it's, it's by Friday, I'm maxed out. I think this is also happening. It could be both. could be C, you know, all of the above. But so last week I zoomed out because I was so fried and I just wanted to give you guys the big picture and remind you why I'm here. It's actually a pretty good episode. Episode 51. Go watch it. But in this episode, episode 52, I just reviewed last week's calendar and I got to tell you, there were some great things that happened last week. So here we go. Thing number one, I had a meeting with the SRF UK trustee. So as a reminder, SRF is a, is a charity in the United States of America. And it's such a good model and such an effective organization that our friends in the UK have said, hey, why don't we have a UK charity? And it's the right question because it's the second largest diagnosed population in the, in the world. Why is, it, why is this tiny little island in the North Atlantic, no offense to my fellow English citizens, um, have the second largest diagnosed population in the world? Because they actually test people. National Health Service, single payer system. Everybody with intellectual disability was tested. Guess what? They found a bunch of Syngapians. Guess what would happen if you went anywhere on earth and tested a lot of kids with autism or a lot of kids with intellectual disability? You'd find a lot of Syngapians because that's the way it works. It's my cuckoo clock. It's eight o'clock. It's going to go five more times. So had a meeting with the trustees of SRF UK, wonderful human beings who I have a lot of respect for. And we were talking about one of these grant proposals we recently got and agreeing about how we would share the cost. So that's exciting. Congratulations to the, to the trustees of SRF UK about this grant we're going to work together on. Congratulations for owning your population with a British registered charity. I'm so proud of you and so excited to work with you and so grateful that we're all flying the same flag. Because that's how we get things done, folks. We make it easy for industry to be like, one logo, multiple countries, boom. We're going to help a lot of kids. I'm thrilled about this. So go team SRF. Next meeting I had was just a lot of emails with our scientific advisory board. As a reminder, we have an exceptional scientific advisory board, some real giants. And they all had until Thursday last week to get us their feedback on uh, the grant proposals we received about a month ago. And... Actually, it was less than a month. I didn't give them much time because it turns out it doesn't matter how much time you give them. All those reviews are going to come in right around the deadline. Some, some a day before, some a day later, but that's when they're going to come in. So we got some really great feedback. And, and the work for me this week is to put all that feedback, synthesize it, anonymize it, put it into documents, share it with the proposal writers, share it with the board and, and see where we go from here. It's going to be exciting. But thank you as ever to our scientific advisory board and our clinical advisory board. You are giants and we are grateful. I want to tell you about possibly the most exciting meeting I had last week. Maybe it was tied for, tied for, it was, it was a tie. Last week was a lot of, a lot of exciting meetings. But at the end of this meeting, I got to tell you, I put my hands in the air. I said, yes. And I went for a walk around the block. I was like, I could stop right here and be good. So I'm going to anonymize this just because, you know, all these conversations are sensitive. But a very accomplished professor 
you know, one of these professors with like a signature block of like three levels of titles and awards and such from a very big institution asked us for a meeting and was like, you know, I've got this technology and it's, it's fixed. It's a genetic technology that fixes a specific kind of mutation. So for those of you with C addresses and P addresses, um, the C address is like the individual letters in the DNA. And the P address, the P stands for protein. I have no idea what the C stands for. The P address stands for protein. And each of those three letters makes a specific amino acid. And, and what's my point? And, and so what this guy has is a technology that if, if you have a specific amino acid that turns into a specific kind of um, result, he can fix that. And he was explaining to us that he's tested this in a couple of different um, genes and he wants to test it in our gene. And so he needs, he needs cell lines. And, you know, scientists use words like reagents to mean a lot of stuff. So he kept saying reagents and I was like, fine. Can you be specific? Because every scientist says reagents and they mean something different. And he's like, no, I need cell lines. I need cell lines to test this. In. And I was like, why didn't you just say cell lines? I don't understand why scientists don't just use English. And so I pulled up uh, our list of cell lines. Because remember, if you go back, I don't know which episode it was, but in previous episodes, I've explained to you that as a patient advocacy group, we should be making the cell lines so that we can share them rapidly when they're needed. Because if you make cell lines through an academic partner, then they're going to take their time and have a lot of ridiculous process to share them with another academic partner. And when you ask them to share it with a company, disaster, it's never going to happen. And so really most important that we own our own cell lines, make our own cell lines so that when people need them, we can share them. So I, so we did that right months ago and I pulled open the list of cell lines. I was like, okay, what do you want? And he saw these lists of cell lines and his eyes were like, He's like, I want that one, that one, and that one, because my technology works on exactly that kind of mutation. And I was like, please hold. Boop, 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 boop. Emailed the people who were making the cell lines for us, a CRO, a clinical research organization, one of our partners. And they were like, word, they're in the oven, as speaking figuratively, and they will be ready in a few weeks and we will share them. And he was like, great, here's my address, here's my FedEx number, here's my postdoc. It was like that, 15 minutes. This guy's going to have cell lines. And to be clear, if he hadn't, then what would have had to happen? We would have had to find those patients, which we can do because citizen. We would have had to connect these patients with him. He would have had to draw their blood and he would have had to begin the entire process, which would have taken months. And by the way, that would have been time and expense too. We've, we've dealt with all of that. So now he's got a technology and we're going to get him Syngap patient-derived cell lines and he's going to test the technology and bam, we're, we might have another option to help our kids. That's awesome. I'm so excited about that. It's coming together. And everyone's going to email me after this. Be like, Wait, Mike, what is the type of mutation? Does, it, does my kid have my mutation? Here's my genetic report. I'm going to get five of these emails, regardless of what I'm about to say. It's fine. Fine, send me the emails. And I'm going to say the same thing. Are you in citizen? Make sure your data is in citizen. Because the way we, the way we look for these things is we look up the mutation list in Citizen, and we reach out to people. And if you can't be bothered to sign up for Citizen, don't expect us to come and hunt you down. More than half of the diagnosed population in the U.S. has signed up for Citizen. The other half of you, I do not understand what you're thinking. It is the single most important thing you as a family can do. Share your data with the research community. Make sure you're listed in the biggest and most powerful registry on earth for Syngapians. Sign up for Citizen. Citizen.com slash Syngap1. Citizen with two eyes. 
It'll be in the show notes. Had a meeting with another professor last week doing a, a study for us. Super exciting, super exciting work. And I just, and it was, I was reminded, I was reminded how lucky we are to have clinicians at major medical institutions eager to study our gene. Because let me tell you, there's one big city in this country, I was just talking to mom this morning, where um, she's in a major metropolitan area, she's talked to the big academic institution, she's talked to the major uh, children's hospital, and she's talked to the major neuro private practice in neurology. And she's pointed out to all of them, you've got seven or eight Syngapians in this town, you guys should really become an expert. And they've all just been like, we are tapped out, we just cannot do another thing, we'll just take them as they come. And it's really heartbreaking when you have the opportunity to develop expertise in Syngap and you don't capitalize on it. And we're, we're working, we're gonna find somewhere else to send all those kids, but it, it's just, it's such a missed opportunity. So when we have like this other guy who's, who's talking to us about one of his proposals, who's excited about studying our kids, we are, we are infinitely grateful. Again, it's why this work is so important. It's why having this organization is so important. It, it's why you, you should, uh, if you're interested, you should reach out and join us. Help us build this organization. Help us advocate for these kids. And let me tell, let me just throw out one more, one more thing. I'm going to go slightly over. There was another family who reached out to us through Citizen. Uh, they live about an hour from me. So I actually got in a car last week and I went out and I said hi to them. They have two affected children. And then they have other neurotypical children. And their children today are actually no longer children. They're 18. And I went out and I met them. And if you can imagine not being diagnosed, so you get an epilepsy diagnosis, you get an intellectual disability diagnosis, you get an autism diagnosis, you get all these diagnoses, you're dealing with these very complicated kids, you're having to ha sort out ABA, you're having to live your life, raise your other kids. And right around the age of 15, someone does genetic testing and someone sends you a piece of paper that says Syngap 1. And you're like, what do I do with this? That's what happened to this family. And then a little while ago, one of these kids started having seizures. And so it's interesting, by they missed, they, they didn't see or didn't have, we'll never know, um, seizures for the first 18 years. And then we finally see seizures at 18. And, and that's when um, the parents went back and said, what is the Syngap 1 thing? And that's when they reached out to us and that's when they joined Citizen. So first of all, God bless you and thank you for joining Citizen because that gives us the clinical history of two patients over 18 years. So that's 36 years of data on Syngap 1 and how this presents in this mutation. Super exciting. Second of all, we're going to stay in touch with this family and make sure these, these kids get the right care they need. Third of all, and here's what's cool. I was able to sit at this parent's kitchen table and it was kind of intense if you think about it, right? You're going through your life. You got all this stuff going on. Suddenly you reach out, sign up for Citizen. Next thing you know, this crazy guy named Mike calls you. Suddenly he's at your kitchen table talking to you and you're like, you look different on the, on the, on the podcast, but whatever. And when I looked at their mutation, I was able to tell them, you know, guys, actually, just so you know, like this mutation, because there's a few mutations that are, that are really being studied. There's cell lines and they're in labs and whatever. And I was able to tell this family, you know, this mutation, just so you know, your, your, your kids are not being left behind here. Like there's people really looking closely at this one. And um, your kids are 18. And it's always an open question about what's the right age to help our kids. But it's also been shown in animal models that rescue is possible later in life. So I said, hang in there. there, there, there there's, there's, there's work being done. Crazy exciting, crazy exciting. And that, that was last week. 
goodness knows what this week holds. But but buckle up, my friends, and stay tuned because um, I'm really letting this 10-minute thing just go go right out the window, aren't I? I got I to gotta tell you that. It's really stressful for me sometimes. I'm like talking super fast just to get under the 10-minute mark. And it's sometimes it's not worth it because there's just so much going on. Anyway, I'll stop apologizing. Um, oh, there's one other family. Just came up above the waterline this week. Again, 18-year-old trying to figure out what to do. And that's a thing. I mean, historically, this has been a population of kids from zero to 10. And we're getting more and more adults, and that's forcing a, a really interesting question of where are these adults gonna go? And uh, we're starting to, I'm starting to hear that question more and more, and I'm starting to connect these families who are asking it. And, and I think that's a whole other conversation, but if that's of interest to you, let me know, because I feel like that conversation is bubbling back up. All right, happy Monday, have a wonderful day. This has been episode 52 of Syngap 10. Keep in touch.